Welcome to the 24-Minute Bible Podcast, where each week our goal is to simply get a better understanding of God's Word, the Bible. We hope you will get reading this amazing book and join us on this exciting journey. And now, here's your host, Pastor Mark Miner. Well, as I always say, thank you for stopping by today and sharing 24 or so minutes with me on the 24-Minute Bible Podcast. I hope you're having as much fun listening as I am presenting. And today's episode, episode number 98, dives into the Gospel of Mark. Now, I have a little confession to make. Uh, Growing up, I loved to read, but one of the things I loved to read as much as anything was comic books. Couldn't wait to get to the grocery store and pick up the new version of whatever comic book it was that came out that week. Now, I wasn't a Marvel comic book sort of a guy, if that means anything to you. I love the DC brand. And that simply means there was Superman and Green Lantern and Flash and Aquaman and, of course, Batman. Now, I loved loved the action of those comic books, and that's really what it was all about. Later on in life, uh, as television began to present some comic book shows, uh, there was a show, most of you probably won't be old enough to remember this, came out in the mid-60s, but it it was Batman and Robin with Burt Ward and Adam West. Batman. And it was the corniest, cheesiest, hokiest, TV show you could ever have imagined, and I loved it. And the reason I loved it is because it was all about action. Whatever Batman and Robin were doing, whether they were fighting the Joker or the Riddler or whoever they were fighting, it was always bang, bang, pow, here we go. And that was one of the things that made the show so amazing the television show, if you will, not not the movies of today. I haven't really seen the Batman movies of today. They have no interest to me, but I love the TV shows. And one of the things they did was they would have a starburst that would come on the screen, and in the middle of it would be the word pow or kaboom or zap. And you, know, you just loved it because you knew that, that things were happening. Well, why am I saying all this? Uh, you may be more of a, uh, a Terminator sort of person, more sophisticated in your action movies, or even some of the uh, superheroes of today, that the Avengers and Captain Marvel and all of that. Well, uh, fine, do whatever you like. Uh, but I'm just simply saying, to I love the action. And of all the Gospels, in fact, of all the books of the Bible, uh, the book of Mark truly is a book of action. I always give you a key phrase to help you remember a hook or a term or a flavor, if you will, just to remember something about the book of Mark. And I'm going to give you two right now. Uh, You might think about book, uh, the book of Mark, because Mark portrays Jesus as a man of action. So he's a man of action. But I, I would also remind you and maybe give you this hook as a secondary sort of idea Sometimes when we get ready to start a race, the, the person starting the race will say, on your mark, because it's about to happen. And that's really what Mark is doing. On your mark, get set, go. So when you think about the book of Mark, think about on your mark, if you will, because the book of Mark is a book of action. One of the words that is indicative and uh, almost used exclusively in the book of Mark as compared to the other Gospels is an interesting word. In the King James, it is the word straightway. The New International Version uses the word immediately. 
19 times that word is used. Because when Mark is describing something that Jesus is doing, it's always about action. It's always immediate. It's always straightway. For those of you who love the gospel or love uh, a conversation with just the facts, you don't want to be bogged down in all the details, uh, the gospel of Mark is your gospel. Last week we talked about the gospel of Matthew, and Matthew, as I said, you might remember this, is the Jewish gospel. It presents Jesus as uh, the king of the Jews. And Matthew quotes 57 Old Testament references to document, to verify, to show that Jesus was the king of the Jews. Well, Mark is a young man. His gospel is all about action. And Mark has less than 20 of the Old Testament quotes. In fact, one of the things that we find in the Gospel of Mark, and I'm just giving you a little background here, if you would, just so you can understand uh, how Mark comes about and how Mark comes off. Hopefully you've read it. If you haven't, I encourage you to read the 16 chapters. But understand, as you're reading through that, those chapters, it is going to be all about action. Immediately, straightway, Jesus did this. He's on the move all the time. And one of the things that's interesting about Mark and his style of writing his gospel is that 1,375 times he uses the word and. I don't know about you, but occasionally I'll get a telephone call. I try not to answer them, but every now and then I'll pick it up and it's an infomercial. And it's a, a telephone salesperson on there. And, and they won't shut up. They won't stop. They go from one conjunction to another to another. They're trying to sell me something. It's like they're on five-hour energy. And so they're just going on, and there's no time for breathing. Well, Mark's gospel is kind of like that. It's action. It's do it now. It's impulsive. It's ready to rumble. So are you getting a flavor for the book of Mark? Even the gospel's starting point Whereas Matthew started with the genealogy, Luke is going to start with the genealogy, John is going to start with Jesus even before he came to earth, Mark doesn't start do any of that. He starts immediately with his ministry and really only covers the three and a half plus years of Jesus' ministry. And he starts off with John the Baptist as the one laying the foundation of the way for the Lord. So we're going to look at the Gospel of Mark here. I've given you a little bit of flavor there. Uh, before we get into the, some of the particulars, some key concepts of the book of Mark, let's just back up for a second and simply talk about the Gospels. Last time I mentioned that, that there are four Gospels, sort of like the four ordinal positions on a compass, north, south, east, and west. I think that's one way to think of the Gospels. Uh, another way to think of the Gospels is that uh, God is having the story of Jesus presented through some different eyes. Same story, same true facts. Sometimes things are left out. Mark, for example, he's not interested in all the details. So he's just going to give you the kapow and the kaboom and the zap. Whereas Matthew is interested, uh, as the Holy Spirit leads him, to document that this is the king of the Jews. Luke, as we'll talk about next week, he's, going to, he's a historian. And so he's going to lay the framework for why Jesus was who he said he was, the Son of God, the Son of Man. John, of course, is going to be a very different gospel uh, than the other three. So we see the gospel through different eyes. Matthew was the Jewish eyes. Mark's is sometimes thought of as the Roman eyes or seen through, I will say to you, action eyes. 
Luke is seen through the eyes of a Gentile because Luke is not even Jewish. He's Gentile by birth, and he's writing from a historical perspective to document the truth and the veracity of the gospel. John is speaking through intimate eyes because he was the one who was closest to Jesus and was one there in some of those most intimate of all times. So the Gospels present a unique, sometimes different, they agree, but sometimes through different eyes, picture of this one that is the culmination of the Bible, the coming of Jesus Christ. Let's talk for a moment just about the authentication, authentication of the gospel accounts. Why should we believe? Well, there are some reasons why we should believe these four gospels in particular, as they're included in the scripture. I'll give you six ideas here to think about concerning why should I even believe or trust the gospels? One of the things is simply the proximity to the, to the death and the events that they're portraying. All of the Gospels were written within 40 years of the death of Jesus. Now that may seem like a long time, but as I stand before you right now, it's 2022, and the taking down of the Twin Towers, the Trade World Trade Center, was 21 years ago. Now, if you're younger, that may seem like a long time ago. For some of us that are a little older, uh, we can remember that event. We can remember the specifics of it. Uh, so 21 years is not a long time. Uh, we think still we go back to Vietnam and some of the wars and some of the events have taken place. And we have eyewitnesses and we have people that could document them. So, so that generation, that 40 years, is uh, truly not a long time. Uh, there's a second reason uh, that we can believe that the Gospels are authentic. Uh, all, all the people that are writing about these events were eyewitnesses except for Luke. And he's a historian who, as he says at the very beginning of this book, we'll talk about that again next week, uh, sets out to find all the facts. But all the others were eyewitnesses. A third thing is that they were accepted as historical and inspired account of Jesus all of them written before the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. In other words, everyone knew these events that were around Jerusalem during that time. Uh, they were accepted as historical. Some believed, some didn't. But the historicity was not in question. A, th a fourth thing is that the, if there these accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, were uh, not true, then they could have been easily refuted. They could have been uh, dispatched long ago as, as just a fallacy, just as made-up error. Uh, but they weren't. The culture accepted the facts, whether they believed it or not, because they easily could have been refuted, and there were many who would love to have done that, but they just couldn't do so. Another reason why the Gospels, I believe, and you can believe, are authentic is because the early church writers uh, and fathers, the people who wrote after uh, the Gospels that were written and after the uh, disciples were, most of them, dead and gone, uh, quote exclusively from these four Gospels, just from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, lastly, the sixth thing is that there is a harmony of these four records. Again, they come at it from different eyes, different perspectives. But as they talk about the life of Jesus, there is a harmony uh, of the life of Jesus recorded that is, is uncanny. It's uh, almost uh, no way, to, it's undoubtedly 
uh, guided by the hand and the plan of God. So what am I saying? I'm simply saying you can trust the four Gospels. And today we're looking at the Gospel of Mark, a very unique Gospel because it is about a man of action. Before we get into some of those key concepts, let me just mention, uh, critics often come up with this point. Well, Mark, what about the other Gospels? There are lots of other Gospels out there, and you know what? Those, Those critics are correct. There's the Gospel of Peter, the Gospel of Thomas, Philip, the Gospel of Judas Iscariot, the Gospel of Barnabas. Uh, There's even the Gospel of Mary Magdalene. And so there are a lot of Gospels out there. What makes those uh, rejected, and why should we accept the four Gospels? Well, one of the things, again, has to do with the times they were written and the subjects they covered. For example, the Gospel of Peter was written at best 150 A.D., 150 years after the birth of Christ, after all the eyewitnesses were gone. The Gospel of Thomas was 140 A.D., Gospel of Philip about 200 years after the birth of Christ. Judas Iscariot's Gospel, uh, which wasn't written by Judas, and probably none of these were written by the ones whose names are attached to them, but it was written 180 years after uh, the birth of Christ, the Gospel of Judas Iscariot. The Gospel of Barnabas was written about 1500 and probably by a Muslim. Uh, The Gospel of Mary Magdalene, at least 400 A.D. So yes, there are other Gospels out there, but only the four, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, stand up to the standard, the canon, the criteria to be authentic Gospels, representations, stories of Jesus. So let's talk about Mark. Uh, Who was Mark, in fact? What do we know about him? Well, we know that Mark was Jewish. He was Hebrew by lineage, uh, but uh, Mark also was a very young man. We read last week or talked last week about Matthew uh, and how his gospel was written for the Jews, but Mark was in a different place in his life. One of the things I believe, and this is Mark speaking personally now, but but my opinion is that God, when he writes scripture through individuals, he doesn't eliminate their personalities, nor does he uh, diminish their place in life, whatever their position or their job or uh, their events might be. God just uses us as earthen vessels, them, I should say, as earthen vessels, uh, to write through their eyes, as I've been talking about. Well, Mark's gospel is through the eyes of a young man. It it is impetuous. Uh, If Matthew was a lawyer or a CPA, uh, Mark is a prize fighter. He's ready to get it on. Uh, So what else do we know about Mark? Well, there are some clues and some cues that we read not only from the gospel, but also from history. Uh, We know that Mark's mother was named Mary, and her house is actually mentioned in the book of Acts as uh, Acts chapter 12 is a house of prayer. We do not know Mark's father's name. We do know his cousin's name, though. His cousin was Barnabas. You might remember Barnabas from the book of Acts. Uh, He's also listed as as a close friend of Simon Peter. So, uh, in fact, many people believe that many of Mark's stories or insights came through Simon Peter, and that's probably true, but he also was a traveling companion of the Apostle Paul and was there through many of the episodes that we read about in the book of Acts. So Mark was well-traveled. He was well-positioned to be able to write about Jesus. 
There are also, though, some conjectures, and I'm going to add these in these moments just for your consideration. Conjectures means it's a guess, it's a legend. It may or may not be correct. It may be that we haven't pieced the things together correctly. Uh, but I'm going to share these just because I do think they add some understanding to uh, Mark, to his gospel, and to, uh, even though Mark was not one of the 12 disciples, why his gospel was written and why we can trust it. Uh, there's some conjectures. For example, were Mark's parents wealthy? Often we read in tradition that, that Mark came from a well-to-do home. There are some that even have suggested, I don't believe this necessarily, that, that Mark was the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and went away sad because he wouldn't give his, all that he had away to the poor. I don't think that's necessarily correct, but uh, there is some reason to believe that Mark came from um, a lifestyle of substance or means. And it's because of this next statement I'm about to make. Uh, <clears throat> was the scene of the Last Supper, also known as the Upper Room, actually in Mark's home in Jerusalem? In other words, was Mark's house the place where the Last Supper took place? A lot of scholars believe that that's possible. To that point, if indeed Mark's house was the place where the Last Supper, and also, by the way, Pentecost, took place, uh, Mark probably was a man of some means or his family because they had a room large enough to handle 120 people. And that would have been rare in the city of Jerusalem. Only the wealthy could have uh, done that. So there is a possibility there as we think about Mark that he had some means. Uh, we know that he was a young man, but was he the young man? This is mentioned in Mark chapter 14, verse 51 and 52. The only place we discover this next item is in Mark's gospel. You might remember it. I always think it's kind of funny. Uh, in one sense, Jesus has been arrested. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, the Romans, or excuse me, the temple soldiers now have him. They're taking him to the Romans. And someone in the, the gospel of Mark simply says, a young man was following along to observe the action. He wanted to be where the action was at. And as he got a little too close, the soldiers reached out to grab him. And as they grabbed him, he ran out of his pajamas and uh, took off. You can visualize the scene however you want. Uh, but uh, Mark doesn't mention his name, but he takes off from the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, probably... Uh, unclothed at least in some regard, maybe all the way, a streaker for Jesus, who knows. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> he perhaps was the young man who was uh, following at a distance that's mentioned in the book of Mark. So we get some idea here of the gospel of Mark and, and what it's covering. I've already mentioned the portrayal of Jesus. Uh, Mark was a man of action. Uh, his idea was works over words. The gospel of John's going to have Great soliloquies, long monologues of Jesus speaking, teaching, talking, and sharing. Uh, Mark has very little of that. It's all about his actions. Uh, Mark is, in the book of Mark, you find Jesus casting out demons, healing the sick, traveling around, performing miracles, works over words. One of the fun things I sometimes do is uh, I like to listen to the Bible. I have it on my phone, my uh, so I can listen to my car, and I, I, one of my favorite books to listen to out of the entire Bible is the book of Mark, because it is a book of action. It's moving from one thing to another to another. So we know Mark portrays Jesus 
as that man of action. Uh, lastly, here today in our episode, what happened to Mark? As, as with so many of the New Testament writers, uh, we have to rely on some traditions to piece together their, their final fates. Uh, for John Mark, most of the traditions have Mark living, evangelizing, and ultimately dying a martyr's death in Egypt. There is some uh, credence, some tradition, that the Gospel of Mark was actually written uh, while Mark was in Alexandria, Egypt, which, uh, again, leans, lends more credibility to the Bible because the Bible was written on three different continents. The Bible was written in Europe, Apostle Paul wrote much of his in what we would call Europe today. Uh, much was written in Asia, Persia, and other places, and in Africa. So it's just amazing that the 66 books of the Bible, uh, written over a 16-plus, 100-year period of time by over 40 different authors on three different continents, would have any continuity and hold together in agreement at all. But that's the beauty, probably the miracle of the Bible. Uh, we do know that John Mark for sure uh, attended or was in Africa, uh, in Egypt. We're not totally sure about his death, but tradition has it that he died around 68 A.D. Let me just stop there for a second and mention one thing that is critical to the entire New Testament and the writing and the dating. I do not emphasize much in our discussions for you to memorize dates or things like that uh, because this is, we're really just hitting the high points. But one thing I would encourage you to remember, the temple was destroyed in 70 AD. The Jewish temple that was the heartbeat and the most sacred holy place of the nation and of the people of Israel. The, the Jews, was destroyed by the Romans, Titus the general being that one who did, did the deed in 70 AD. So if a book doesn't mention anything about the destruction of the temple, and it's, uh, they're talking about Jesus in the New Testament, uh, I think we've at least got a pretty good idea that uh, the book was written before 70 AD. It just seems common sense to me that any of the Jews writing about Jesus and his deeds or writing even the Apostle Paul and others later on writing would reference the temple being destroyed. And none of them do that. Book of Revelation uh, is a little different ball game, and maybe it does sort of reference uh, something about the temple being gone. But, but the other books seem to not mention that. Certainly, I think that helps us to date the Gospels before the destruction of the temple by Titus, the Roman general, in 70 A.D. So how did Mark die? Well, tradition holds this, that after preaching the gospel, uh, he was arrested, he was tied with a rope, and he was, in a gruesome sort of way, drugged through the streets of Alexandria, Egypt, to his death. All of the disciples, the 12 disciples, with the exception of John the Apostle, John the Beloved, all of them died a martyr's death in one way, shape, or form. They gave their life to Jesus, to Jesus and gave their life for Jesus. Which leads me to this last statement. It has to do with the credibility of the Gospels. It has actually a bigger picture. It has to do with the credibility of the entire New Testament. Why would someone give their last breath, their final sacrifice, for a charlatan, one that they personally knew, who had deceived many, 
if, if they did not believe heart, soul, mind that Jesus was exactly who he said he was, the Son of God, it doesn't stand to reason that they would have lived their lives in a sacrificial way and died a martyr's death for someone they knew to be a phony. To me, as I read about the death, whether it's John Mark or, or any of the disciples, Matthew probably pierced through, uh, we'll read about uh, uh, some of the other disciples and their death later on. Uh, in fact, on the 24-Minute Bible podcast Facebook side, I had a chart last week of uh, many of the gospel writers and many of the New Testament writers and where they went, where they evangelized, and where probably, traditionally, they died. And my point again is simply this. There have been people throughout the last 2,000 years that have laid down their life for this one that we call King of the Jews, this one, this man of action who healed and delivered and saved and traveled and ultimately, of course, gave his life on the cross for you and me. I think it lends credibility. I think it lends believability. And for me, my friend, I love the Gospel of Mark. It is, it is all about uh, just the bare bones life of Jesus, why he came and why he died and how he loves us, and most thankfully, how he rose again from the dead. Hey, next week we're going to be looking at the Gospel of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke. So, hope you join with us as we encounter Luke, this very interesting individual uh, who is a doctor, an historian, and a Gentile. And yet he lays out his Gospel in such a believable way, in such an incredible way, that it helps us truly understand the plan of God throughout the Bible. Thank you for listening today. Have a great week. Look forward to seeing you next week on the 24-Minute Bible Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the 24-Minute Bible Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and look forward to continuing this journey to understanding the Bible, please subscribe to our channel. And if you would be so kind, share it with your friends who might enjoy it. We would also love it if you would leave us a review. It really does help us. Join us next week for another episode as we work our way through the Bible book by book. Have a blessed week.